Welcome to the Disrupt Ed Podcast. I'm Tyler, and our goal is to paint a picture of what education could be and should be in the future. Hey, everybody. Tyler here, and this is technically episode one. Um, Disrupt Ed 2.1, and my question today is, that I, that I want to explore and really recap is how did we get here? How did we get to the point where I had to set up a studio and a station in my basement to be able to try to teach my kids and not to teach them, but to help them learn. And just 30 days ago, this was just two and a half weeks ago. So, this was not a possibility. So here's a story. About two and a half weeks ago, I was going into lunch. The social studies department has Thursday lunch where someone brings a different lunch. And we all eat together and we kind of talk and, and, and eat and it's, it's great. I've been really busy the last few years and so I really just come on Thursdays and really just come on the Thursday. It's my turn to bring food. And this was my turn to bring food. It was March 5th. And I asked the teacher that has been there quite a while and who I really look up to. And I, and, you know, coronavirus was something that most people had heard of now. And if you hear some background noise, my son who's three is playing with some toys. So it's great. Um, and I asked him, you know, we're eating pizza and I was like, you know, this thing is kind of getting crazy over in China. You know, what do you think the chances are that the coronavirus affects like school or regularly scheduled programming in any way this year. And he said, oh, slim. Like, oh, so, yeah, no way, no way. And then just one week later, March 12th, I asked him again on a Thursday. And I said, hey, what do you think's going to happen now? And he said, and he said, do I have water? No, I don't. Oh, you want some? Okay. He's getting a drink. Here we go. There you go, buddy. Is it good? Okay. And I asked, I asked him again on March 12th, just seven days later. And I said, not, not do you think it's going to affect school? How affected do you think school will be? And he just shook his head. I mean, because we knew, we knew, and this was, this was, you know, March 12th. This is only 11 days ago, 11 days ago. And we felt like, yeah, it probably is, you know, maybe, the month of May, or maybe we'll miss a week or something like that. We'll see. And just Sunday, which feels like a long, long time ago, but just Sunday, which would have been, let me do some math here. Sunday would have been the 15th, I believe. Um, the 15th, which was just eight days ago, the governor came out, uh, Governor Walls, came out and said, hey, buddy, leave those alone. Hey, leave those alone, dude. <laughs> anyway, he came out and said, schools will be uh, closing to prep for distance learning. Distance learning, a word that I didn't know, and we'll get into that later. Then, a couple days later, he closed all the bars and restaurants. We learned what social distancing is, staying at least six, sometimes 10 feet away from other people if you have to be around them. And 
not being in groups of more than 10 at any one time. We learned all of that on March 15th, March 16th and 17th, Monday and Tuesday, after we had been told no groups of more than 10, after we'd been told what social distancing was, we had school. We got 1,300 people together, well, 1,400 people together, all at the high school, all in close quarters, all in recirculated air, together for two school days. And I can tell you that those days were unlike anything I'd really experienced since 9-11, since I was a junior in high school. And I remember in 9-11, I was actually on a college visit at NDSU, and I um, stayed overnight there in the Fargo-Moorhead area, and then I drove to my college visit at NDSU. I was supposed to talk to the, the uh, uh, different departments I was interested in, talk to the football coach. I, had, I couldn't have played there anyway, but... Um, talked to one of the like football recruiter coaches and I walked into the office about 7:45 a.m., which is very early for a high school kid especially um, when, on a day that they don't anticipate being at school, but I got there early and I walked into the admissions office and two older women were sitting behind the desk. And do you want some? And they welcomed me and they said, have a seat at these couches. There was a tiny little, probably seven, eight inch tube TV. Remember those tiny little office TVs was sitting there and I went and sat down and the first plane had already hit. And so I sat down kind of half paying attention to the news and I saw live the second plane hit. I never left that office. Actually, I did. I walked around briefly with a recruiter. Okay, thank you. Can you give it to me, please? Give me the water. Thank you. Put a cover on that water. Okay. All good. Go play. Go play, buddy. Oh, you take it? Okay. So I'm sitting in that that reception area, and we see the second plane hit, and oh my gosh, you know, ideas are swirling and what's happening. And of course, Fargo is, you know, we yeah, there's an Air Force right there. There are, there are military jets flying all over the place. All classes are immediately canceled, and we're walking around the campus, and people are just hovered around TVs. Any TV there is, there's 80 people surrounding it trying to understand what's going on. I left, obviously. Um, the, the, the recruiter just said, well, I don't know if this is going to work, so I tried to drive home. And when I did drive home, my cell phone didn't work. The radios were trying to um, digest what had happened and, and transfer the news. And I got back to school, and uh, it was a Friday, and I got back about 11, and I walked around, and just no one was doing anything. Everyone was just um, sitting in classrooms, watching TV, trying to, to learn what was happening, trying to comprehend everything and digest it. Monday and Tuesday of this last week, which were the 16th and 17th of March, felt like that, but... Um, we were supposed to go on as normal. We, we weren't allowed the kind of freedom. It wasn't like a concentrated singular event like 9-11 where people could just, you know what, don't worry about today. Get through it. Just get through today. We'll be all right. It instantly was a deep cut and healing started taking place immediately after that. This is different. This is a coming storm. And we knew the storm was coming Monday and Tuesday. We didn't know what was going to happen. We've never experienced this before, and it was eerily quiet. There, I'd walk by classrooms, and 
teachers and students are, you know, checking out their phones, trying to learn, trying to digest every single piece of information that really spanned the entire spectrum, by the way, from uh, far left to far right, politically, um, rationally. I mean, it was just the information out there is just a, it's a totally different world than it was 19 years ago where we can have information immediately and we can basically choose from unlimited sources. And so everyone's trying to just consume information to, to just try to understand what's happening. And Monday, Tuesday were different. Um, very, very different. Wednesday, come Wednesday, this is, you know, the first day where the kids aren't there, staff come. And as far as I can remember, which is all 12 of my teaching years, every time there's a you know, kind of a staff day. It's kind of a fun, you know, kind of like there's positive energy. The kids aren't here. It's just a staff. We're dressed casually. We, you know, we got some time about a half hour before the first staff meeting and we're getting coffee, talking to each other. And it had a little shade of that positivity. You know, breaks coming up. I guess we have an early break. We really didn't know how serious this was going to be. And um, I walked through the main office just to check my mail and I, I kind of ducked my head into the side office there and the break room and I saw the two teacher coaches and uh, assistant principal and our our um, head principal sitting in there I said hey how's it going and they said you, you should get in here we got to figure out what we're going to do for this and so we sat in there the the four of us had basically boiled down to the t- two teacher coaches myself and and uh, the principals bounced in and out but the three of us were supposed to come up with an idea of what what the hell are we going to do? Um, we learned what uh, distance learning was. We had to define it. And distance learning, as far as I understand it now, I'm not going to use the definition that was sent out, but something a little more digestible, I hope, and that is that on a daily basis, you need to have some interaction with your student or your students, each students, uh, each student, to allow them the chance to learn or somehow engage with you and or your content. And you can't do that in person because no longer is it the school, the place where we all meet. It is now strictly and almost permanently online the rest of the year. And we were lucky. We were one of the schools that, unbeknownst to us six years ago, had prepped for this sort of thing in a in an infrastructural way, infrastructural, I don't, I'm not sure if that's a word, but um, our infrastructure was built for this, really. When we went one-to-one with iPads and Lyle Hovland and myself went around and where the dog and pony show and the community um, came together and, and basically created this miracle of a one-to-one program where we raised half a million, and I say we, the business community raised half a million dollars to, to kind of force our way into the new era of mobile technology and so we had it. We've been on our third, we've refreshed our iPads now. This is our third generation of iPads that the students have had. We've refreshed them twice. And so they're relatively new. And we have an amazing um, internet network infrastructure in place at the building. And, but every student has a device. They go home with the device. We don't hand out paper really anymore. It doesn't really happen. So we have the hardware in place, but now we got to figure out in that meeting room, how are we going to, what are the parameters? What's the software we need, you know, to put in place? We've got the hardware. What do we do now? Now that's not taking into account the, 
two to eight percent of people that don't have a, rel- a reliable internet source. Um, but uh, just like a lot of other schools, you know, we're equipping buses with uh, Wi-Fi hotspots. Those those buses are also distributing food for the kids twice a day, and so um, you were working around that two to eight percent that don't have that internet access. But essentially, we had to build parameters of what does an interaction look like. And when an interaction that is credit for the work you've done is equal to your attendance, how does the world change? And it changes pretty dramatically. Um, now, uh, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to what the reality of it is. Wednesday, that Wednesday, we built the built the kind of parameters um, for what an interaction would be like, what the uh, teachers and students would do together, but teachers were anxious. They were walking the hallways and they were guessing and they were coming up with theories of what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. Some were positive, some were negative. You know, just it's just normal. It's not it's not something teachers do. It's just what humans do when they're not sure what's going to happen. And our, we can't stop our brains from trying to come up with ways to solve problems that we can't define. And a lot of fear involved in that. Thursday. Uh, so we get through Wednesday. We kind of establish this. We haven't told the staff yet, but um, what the parameters are. But we've put it together. Uh, they know that we're basically going to be going online. Thursday, the next day, um, we had some smaller PLC-style work. Everything was pretty quiet, but it was starting to set in. There wasn't that kind of layer of positivity of we have a break from Wednesday. This was this was everyone understood that we were making this up as we were going. There was... Um, still a lot of fear about how and why we were going to do this. A lot of frustration on on the fact that now teachers that teach the same class will be doing the exact same thing, literally the exact same thing. So PLCs are going to sit down, talk about what all of their students are going to do Monday, what they're all going to do Tuesday. And in that room of four, when we made all those decisions, we made decisions for roughly 130 people in the room of four. And it's tough to, to really um, take into account all the variables. And the important thing, if you're ever in that situation, is to not get hung up on details. The details you don't know. You can't possibly come up with them in your head. But to develop a simple, sound, flexible set of parameters that are pretty universal. So basically set the bare minimum and set it pretty low. I mean, you want to make sure this thing doesn't fall apart. So we need to build a simple ship first and make sure that it floats and you can improve upon it after that. So that's how we really had to go. And, you know, that's a little, that's different for people. Um, I would have never been, I would have never tried to plan things that way a few years ago. But now after having um, done so many different business things that have worked, not worked, um, you know, we really settled on a plan that was pretty simple. That is that you're going to get together with your PLCs. You're going to have a post in Schoology of a folder that says Monday, March 30th. And inside of that folder, there will be the content. So if that's a video of you, the teacher, talking about something, if it's a link to an article, uh, which should be a PDF, uh, if it's, you know, just a question prompt or something like that. Um, something the students have to go in because we assume that they have internet one time a day and that's when the bus comes. They can download the prompt or the content from you and then then within 24 to 48 hours, really up to a week we're allowing them, they can do the work for Monday. So 
the linear nature of time and bell to bell is no longer the reality. We don't have the ability to force students into our contrived environment. We can't force them into our school building where we can control and minimize as many variables as possible. And this is at the core why I decided to start this podcast back up again is because this COVID-19 is the most disruptive thing to happen in education that I've ever been part of. This path of going remote, of thinking about student learning and progress in a non-linear way, well, linear, but not controlled by um, our bells in the times in the day, is really what education has been unofficially, um, just organically, because of YouTube and because of other the internet. It's been this way for a while, but now schools are forced to be into it. And, you know, this isn't a time for theory to think, you know, well, kids should be this way and education should be this way. No, 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 no. We are ruled by practicality first. Practicality is now ahead of theory. How can we physically get this things to students for them to work on? What's actually important for them to learn and do? What can we realistically expect of, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have practicality becomes number one. And you have to determine what is most important. And and so, you know, <laughs> one interesting thing, I've got a few talking points here. And the first one is grades. What do grades mean? And we're forced to reevaluate that. Grades are essentially attendance here. If you show up, download whatever it is you're supposed to download and respond in whatever way you're supposed to for the tasks for Monday, whether you do them Monday or the day before Sunday or you do them Wednesday, it doesn't matter. If you get them in, you're here, you get credit. Everyone should essentially either pass or fail. And that's actually what we did. Term four is now a pass or fail. So um, grades don't really mean a whole lot anymore. And uh, as we get further into this thing, um, we will, it's okay. They can, they can stay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be fine. McCoy's got his underwear on backwards. McCoy has his underwear on backwards with one dinosaur shoe on. Interesting. Um, anyway, so what does it look like from here on out? I think the reality is we have no idea. And, but the fact that we've had to rethink education so quickly and so forcefully has really it's, it's put us in a position where we have to prioritize what's important. And equity, when you don't control the variables, is hard, granted. But education is now more closely related to what we're going to have to deal with in real life. Uh, and I love that, actually. If there's a silver lining in all of this, which I don't think there are many, but if there's one... It's forced us to rethink education very quickly and very abruptly and painfully. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, I actually heard a t- teacher say, so we had all of our staff meetings over Zoom. And so remote staff meetings, we're all in the building, but everyone's on their computers in their different spaces. There was actually a staff member that I talked to. Well, I overheard this. I didn't talk to them, but I overheard them say this later kind of teachers are standing in loose groups, you know, six feet apart. And they said, you know, um, we need to have uh, 
an online behavior agreement with these students. And they shouldn't be allowed to use the internet to do their work. We, we need to have them sign an agreement that they won't use the internet to do their homework and cheat. And they can't work with other people. And I thought that was just freaking hilarious. So you're telling me you don't want the kids to use the internet to get all the answers for your essentially mindless homework um, because it'll be too easy. And they don't want to, you, won't, you don't want them to work with other people because they could just get the answers from other places, from other people. But yet they're getting all this information on the internet from you in Schoology anyway. The irony of it was just really a microcosm of what I think education is going to go through here. We now realize that, oh my goodness, the internet is life-changing because now we have access and our students, with a few exceptions, can get access to all of this content knowledge too. So is the content knowledge even that important? Because if they can look it up and get the answers, is that, I mean, talk about easy, and really, it should be. Um, and you're going to try to not let them talk to other people on, you know, on, an, on the internet, which is really, that's what it is. The internet is just people being able to talk to people, storing information. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Right now, you know, we're on spring break and I'm recording this podcast. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Everything seems like it's changing day by day. But the reality is a week from today will come regardless of what happens. I don't think the teachers are going back. It's already decided that the students aren't going back, but I don't think the teachers will go back if this thing keeps progressing. So now you're going to have teachers working remotely with their students. And I would guess 90% of the work that students will be doing will be essentially worksheets. And, and it's really putting pressure on what we think um, education should be because we can't do it. We can't do it the way we think it should be, which is essentially just saying, let's just do it the way we've always done it. Um, we now can't do it that way. We, an outside variable has prevented us from doing it that way. And that pressure is starting to show the cracks. I'm kind of excited of what's going to happen. I hope that we don't revert back too quickly. I hope this opens the door to more remote at, uh, high school education classes uh, but I'm going to try to my best to document what, it, what we're going through. Um, right, my, my plan right now with my CEO students is this podcast started it up again. And we're going to interview entrepreneurs from all over the country and local. Because now that we can't go and physically see all of these businesses and entrepreneurs, uh, we have to work remotely. It does open the door for us to really connect with anyone that will say yes. And we've got some pretty cool yeses coming up. So I'm excited about those. Um, anyway, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. We'll get through this together, I promise. And I'll try my best to document and digest the things that we're going through as we go through them. Thanks. Take care. Peace.